Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Successful Mind Podcast with David Nagel, and we're here to talk about a very important topic, and that is tolerations as a business owner. That's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> we could talk about that for probably five hours. Yeah, we could yeah. probably do a, a week-long training on, on tolerations in your business. Well, speaking of training, I, I mean, let's just let everybody know, one of the things that we do to help people move through the difficulties in their businesses is specifically deal with what are you tolerating in your business? It's an enormous, uh, it's an enormous idea. And, you know, again, this is stuff, this is one of those ideas that if you look back in, in a person's life, it's almost like most people are raised with the idea you have to tolerate um, uh, a, a bit of negativity or, or wrong think, or like there's, there's almost like this thing that goes with suffering and, uh, it's something that's a natural part of life, but it's again, it again, it's an opportunity. Oh, a hundred percent! Right, it's an opportunity. It's like a flag that's pointing to something that needs to be changed. Yeah. It's also directional because it's telling you here is something that if you fix this, you can have an amazing outcome on the other side of this. Right, but usually, and and I think this is where we're going with this is that when a person's actually tolerating something, there's also this ambiguity around the idea that they don't know why they're tolerating it They do because they don't know how to fix it. There's an unknown uh, uh, piece of it. I can't think of the word that I'm trying to use, but... Well, the conversation usually goes like this, right? A business owner comes to us and says, I'm stuck. Yeah. I'm stuck. I've been at the same income level for the last three years. You know, I've been able to hit 800,000 in my business. I can sustain that. I, I just don't know why I'm not growing. And usually the first question we ask is, well, what are you in resistance to? Yes. And they say, I'm not aware that I'm in resistance to anything. <laughs> and we say, okay, what are you tolerating? Because at the root of a toleration is a resistance to change something, right? Yeah. And we know that people are stuck when they're in resistance. Yes. You want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, it, it was, well, number one, it's an interesting thing to learn that, when you're stuck, there's actually something, there's a dynamic that's taking place in your own psychology and your emotions uh, that, you're, that you're experiencing procedurally. It's, it's literally a pattern of how people think in order to keep themselves safe at different areas of growth in their life. So you give somebody a directive and they start to go down this road, they're looking to accomplish a goal or whatever it is, maybe they're building their dream, and they hit this place where they're stuck. So then when they come to us and I have a conversation with them and I say, what are you resisting? They go, like you said, I'm, I'm not aware that I'm resisting. I'm not resisting anything. I'm not resisting anything. Yeah. So what we know is that there's something that is showing up in their life that is threatening uh to them, like it's making them feel unsafe or insecure, uh, or less than, or or it's attacking their self worth. There's a threat that is being suggested that literally was created in the early years of their childhood. Like this happens very, very early on, 
This is scientifically proven between, and, and now, you know, the other thing was I was reading an article the other day. They think this goes, they think this actually starts before birth in utero. The, the, the suggestion that forms the part of the brain that allows, wow. that, that allows a person to either look at themselves as a healthy person or not. And that's where shame and guilt is then developed. Yeah, yeah. So when something, when they have a pattern of survival as a child and it says, here's how you have to respond to this if it doesn't feel safe, the resistance is not to move through it. Right, it creates that barrier. Sometimes we call it a blind spot. They don't see what they don't see, and then they are stuck. So the toleration is is that that problem continues, correct? Because they don't know how to move through it. Yes. So when we ask people, "What are you tolerating?" then all of a sudden they start to see things, right? Because it's an easier question to answer. It's like. What are the things happening that you don't want to be happening? Or what are you currently wanting to change that you're not changing? So it puts it in a different different part of their brain or something. And all of a sudden they can see the things that they're tolerating. We well, have, they get clarity, they right? They get clarity, yeah. yes. There's no confusion around it because they can clearly see even something as mundane as I'm tolerating my living room couch or I'm tolerating this messy desk or I'm tolerating the state of my car or I'm tolerating, you know... It, it doesn't really matter what the toleration is. It all goes back to the same point of resistance. Right. And how you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah. So it translates to your business as well, right? The same yes. reasons you're tolerating not getting a new couch is probably the same reason you're tolerating not having enough help, right? Yep. I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. So when we start asking these questions, we begin to pull out why they're stuck in their business. They're stuck in their business because they're tolerating things that are keeping their business from moving forward. And one of those big tolerations is an adequate team, not even an inadequate team, although there are lots of business owners tolerating a completely inept and inadequate team. Um, But even the people who are tolerating an adequate team, that really puts the brakes on the business. Yeah, so tell us why, because the average person is probably going, what do you mean? Isn't that what I want? Don't I want an adequate team? But but we're saying that, we're suggesting that no, not necessarily. Not necessarily. So what you want on your team are A players. An A player is above adequate. An adequate player is a B or C player. They're the, they show up, they do what's necessary, and they go home. They're not hungry. They're not looking at what they can be doing more. They're not looking at solving their own problems. They're not looking at solving, at thinking through solutions before bringing them to you. Yeah. So what generally happens is then the whole, the, the whole responsibility of company growth falls on the shoulders of the person at the top. Well, the person at the top can only grow the company so much by themselves. Right. In order to innovate, you need a lot of people with a lot of different ideas always looking at how can we be better? How can we grow more? Not just how can we stay the same? Yeah. And an adequate player is looking at how can we stay the same? Yes. And so what does the business do? It stays, stays the same. same. And, and we actually know that's not even true. It actually goes backwards. It goes backwards, it goes backwards with the appearance yes. of just trying to, to keep your head above water. You know what's interesting? Before we get down the road with these A players things, let me just let me see if I can throw a concept out there mm-hmm. for people. So back in the day, as most of people that have listened to the podcast know, I started off in network marketing in the 90s. And when you came into network marketing and you started to go through the training, for the, the way that they did the training was really interesting. 
Uh, there's so much to learn from it, actually, if a person has never really studied it or done it before, because network marketing, network marketing is, is generally focused on middle-class, working-class individuals. It's literally an opportunity for them to live a dream that they don't have the education or skill set to be able to do. But if they would learn a few skills, there's, there's a real good possibility that they could. Now, I'm aware of all of the dysfunction that goes with it and the problems that it's had over the years. But the truth is, is that the, the, a lot of the fundamentals behind it are really sound. And here's one of them. One of the things that I was taught very early on is that I sat down with my upline leader. And he pulled out a deck of cards. And he handed me the cards and he said, go through these cards and pull out the aces. So um, I thought he was going to play a card trick. I thought it was a card trick, yeah. right? So in, And so I'm going through the cards, and you know, you go through, go through, go through, and there's an ace one, go through, go through two, go through, go through three, go through, go through four. And then he, after I got to four, he said, now put the cards down. And he said, how many aces are in that deck? I said, four. He said, how many cards are in the deck? I said, 52. He said, there will never be more than four aces in any given deck. And I'm like, I'm looking, I'm like, what is going on here? And he said, the problem with most people is that they try to turn every other card into an ace. He said, you don't turn other cards into an ace. An ace is an ace. It's a way a person looks at life. It's a way they look at business. It's their approach to everything. He said, but the reason businesses don't grow is because they spend all their time trying to take a queen, a king, a 10, a jack, a deuce, and turn it into an ace. He said, the key is, as you go back out and you look for more aces, you get another deck of cards. He said, if you want, if you want to build, because I had a goal, right? He's like, if you want this goal, you have to keep finding aces, keep finding aces. And he said, and aces will always bring themselves to the top and show themselves. He says, those are the people that get your time. Those are the people that get your attention. Those are the people that get your support support. He goes, all of that energy has to go to the aces, not the other cards. And it was, I, I didn't know that at the time. So it was new for me to hear it. But as I, as I began to grow, I saw just how true that was. And then of course I got into regular business and it was just as applicable there as it is anywhere else. So you, so you don't think that someone could present as a B player, or C player and be made into an A player? I think that an ace, so you, so you said the hungry part, remember yes. you said the hungry part. Yes. You can, if a B, if you see somebody who is a B player in skill set, but they're showing the hunger part, they're an A. They just need the, that's the real key. Will the person consistently go beyond what's required of them in order to try to get a result? They may definitely have to polish up their skill set or get some education or learn something different. But that hunger part, I don't think you can create that in somebody. That has to come out from, from within. within. And I think that that either shows up as a, as a person grows up and becomes an adult or I have seen it show up through um, uh, really bad circumstances in a person's life where, where they like they wake up. Well, that happened to me, right? I mean, when I went through the dam, I woke up like, okay, I have, I have to do something different. I have to be somebody different. And that lit a charge in me that I had never experienced before. So I have seen it in, in those situations. I think it's in everybody, but whether or not it comes to the surface and gets turned on to something different. And, what, and here's what we do know in coaching. 
we, we don't fix people, right? We don't create nope. an ace. We look for people who are dedicated, who have a vision, who will make a decision, who will commit to what they have to do. And those are the people that we can take over the finish line. Anybody else that doesn't, we can't. There's nothing we can do with them. Right. You can't coach desire, right? You can't coach desire. <laughs> that's that's Prefontaine's coach right there. That's words right from the guide's mouth. Can't coach desire. Can't coach desire. So they either have the desire to, to, to do really well and give their best or they don't. That's right. Period. Yeah. So, so, the, so looking at this in terms of tolerations, business owners tolerating things in their business, when we talking talking about tolerating an adequate team. Yeah. Most of the reason why they tolerate their adequate team is because they're afraid. Right? They go into all the excuses of uh, maybe it's my fault. I'm a bad manager. Um, what are people going to think? Are other team members going to leave then and I'm going to be left high and dry? Like, does it look bad in my company if I'm letting go of all of these people? Like, they go into all of the downsides of letting an inadequate or even an adequate team player go to find a high achiever to be on their team rather than looking at what they have to gain. Right? We all... Right. I'm speaking in generalities here. Most people in general... When they're faced with change, look at what they're going to lose, not what they're going to gain. hundred percent. It's the first thing. What am I going to lose? They go into self-protection mode. Right. So when they're thinking of replacing their team or replacing a member on their team, the first thing they think of is what am I going to lose? I'm going to be, I'm going to lose, the, so I'm going to lose someone who's currently doing something for me right now yep. that I'm going to have to do myself. I'm going to... There's going to be dissent among the ranks. It's yeah. going to create a problem within my team. Um, they might think I'm a bad person. They might get mad at me. They could be confrontational. They might sue me for, I mean, business owners think of all different types of ways that they could be sued. It generally never happens, but right. they, they sure can get creative about why they shouldn't do something because they'll get sued. Well, fear sparks the imagination quite a bit. Don't you also think it's an indication that they hired out of desperation also? Or ignorance. Or ignorance. It's, it's usually they hired on desperation or ignorance. They just didn't know how to hire the right person or what to look for to determine if someone is an A player or not. Okay. Or um, when to hire, right? Or when to hire. Most people hire too late. Right? Yes, I mean, absolutely. We know in, that. I was just in this amazing group. I was with an, an amazing group of multi-million and in fact, some billion dollar business owners. And we were talking about hiring and every single one of them said, hire early. Hire when you have the very first thought that you might need to hire for a position. Right. Because if you don't hire early, you're immediately you're you're always hiring late. And hiring late puts you at a massive disadvantage. You're yeah. hiring out of desperation, you make concessions that you normally wouldn't make, you hire the wrong person, there's too much like you just there's too much work for you to properly train them. The idea is that you hire early. You hire based on where you're going, not based on where you are. And the person who's listening to this in their car right now is screaming <laughs> at the top of their lungs, how the fuck do I pay for that person? How do I do that? Right? That's because you know that's the first thing that, right. that happens. And it's a very good question. And the person pays for themselves. 
right? So depending on the position that you're hiring for, the idea is that they're taking off of someone else. So they're taking something off of someone else's plate so that that person can focus on business development, which means that person can, can focus on bringing in more money into the business. So there is some strategy behind it. It's like, what position do I hire for first? Yes. I always recommend hiring a personal assistant first, honestly, because if you're a solopreneur, you can only do so much. You're doing a bunch of $10 and $12 tasks that a personal assistant could easily take off your plate to free up your time to sell more and to deliver more. So they will more than pay for themselves in a very short period of time. And what do you think after the personal assistant, what's the next hire for most people? It depends on the type of business. Um, you really th you think that? You think it depends on the type of business? I do think it depends on the type of business. Some people, some people if they've really gotten you know, sales, a good handle on sales can bring on a sales team or a salesperson to build a team for them. Um, yeah, I think it really depends on the business. That's really tough. If, you, if it's a law firm, it's not necessarily sales. It's another attorney. Another so that attorney, that attorney yeah. can take the work off of their plate or another paralegal. So it really does depend on, on the business. But I think if you're a solopreneur, your first hire should always be an executive assistant, not the 19 year old down the street. A right. high-level executive assistant that will um, pre-think, that will have the ability to make decisions on your behalf, that can manage your inbox, which a lot of that's had experience owners, with somebody else before you. That's had experience and training. That really is a rock star. That could probably free up twenty hours of your time a week for you to be focusing on both selling more and fulfilling more. I got to tell you, one of the one of the greatest lessons that I learned from Dan Kennedy back in the day was when I heard him say that when you hire someone, they should be able to provide you with three references that unequivocally would hire them back in a second. And if they could not provide those three references, you did not need to be the first one, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, and it, it made so much sense because, because if, I mean, if you're hiring to do all the things that we're suggesting, you want to bring somebody on that can hit the ground running, right? Not that has to spend two years with you training just to figure out how to do the job. Yeah. I mean, look, one of the first tolerations of a solopreneur is I'm tolerating doing all these things myself. I'm tolerating not having enough time with my family, <laughs> right? Yeah. And the opposite side of that toleration is more time to both have with my family and to really focus on business development, which is strategy and speaking and exposure, things that build a business, not the nitty gritty minutia that doesn't build a business. So that first toleration generally is I'm tolerating just a lack of time. Tolerating yeah. a lack of time for myself and for my and for my family. And then usually the second toleration is something else related to team. Either the team is underperforming, um, either the team is, is or there's a one employee that's saying that they're gonna do something but then chronically doesn't follow through. So sure. that, you know, the owner can't count on that person to do what they say they're gonna do, and they're just continuing to tolerate because they're not I'm not going to say they're not sure what to do. Deep inside, they know that they need to replace the person. But it's really uncomfortable for them to even think about doing that. Um, I just had a conversation with one of our own private clients uh, a couple of days ago. And it came to light that there were a lot of things that actually her assistant was doing that she was tolerating. And she was almost pushing it aside. Like she didn't even want to think about it because of what it would entail to hire 
a new personal assistant, but more importantly, what people would think of her if she did let this personal assistant go. But the assistant was was doing things like asking for a raise because she just needed more money for her family rather than coming to her and saying, Hey, I've taken on this, this many more tasks. Yeah. I'm this, I'm, I'm, I've providing this much more value to the company. I think it's warranted that, you know, I'm asking for a 5% or 10% raise. So her assistant was being manipulative in an ask for an increase. Um, she wasn't being exact with budget numbers and she was spending outside the budget and then telling, telling our client after the fact that things were way more expensive than she originally told her. And I said to her, the role of the assistant is to act in the best interest of the company and to act in the best interest of you. Is this person acting in the best interest of you in the company? And unequivocally, the answer is no. Interesting. At that point, it's a decision. I know that I need to let this person go. But the toleration was there because of all these inside fears mm -hmm. about what it would take to find someone. And maybe I'm not the right leader and maybe I miscommunicated and maybe people will get mad at me. And, you know, how do I explain this? And all the so noise. doesn't. Yeah. So isn't isn't that noise the excuses that they're telling themselves so about excuses. why they're suffering from the problem that they're yeah. suffering? Yeah. So many excuses. Because I know generally we have them write down, like, give us all your excuses, get them all out. Let's see what are all the rationalizations that you've created to stay in this position? And what's funny, because I've watched you do this over and over again, and it's absolutely brilliant. They'll give, they'll give one or two excuses, and they'll go, there you go. And you'll go, no, keep going. And they look at you like, what? And then you're like, no, keep going. There's way more in there. And then you'll have like 25, they'll end up with like 25 or 30 excuses. Yeah. And they're all stored up in their mind. Like it's a rapid fire. Boom, 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 boom. And... What people don't understand is an excuse is a, ration, a rationalization, in other words, a reason why you're not doing something that you believe in that keeps you stuck in the toleration. If you don't resolve the excuse, you're not going to move forward because an excuse is a statement. When I make an ex even if I say it to myself right in my head, I'm making a statement that confirms why I'm not doing something. Yes. And it's all based in lies. <laughs> it is all based in lies. It is all based in lies. But it's also emotional. Oh, very. It's very emotional. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the, the main things with being a business owner is you really have to learn to master your emotions. You do. You really have to use your conscious mind over your emotions in most every situation. Um, and with managing team, in, in almost every instance, you have to manage your emotion, right? You don't want to be the bad guy. You don't want to be the jerk. You don't want to be the... You know, there's all kinds of fears that come up when you're talking about managing, hiring, firing, all right. of those things. Um, and in all of that, your underlying mindset is what's best for the company. That's it. Is this person in the best interest of the company? Is this person acting in the best interest of the company? Yeah. Am I acting That's right. in the best interest of the company? That's right. Being right? able, being the owner and being able to admit that you're not, Ugh. right, is essential if anything is going to, is anything is going to move forward. I mean, it will hit you in the forehead like a brick. When I asked her, are you acting in the best interest of the company by tolerating this assistant? It was very clearly, no. 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 Yeah. Let's talk for a minute about what's underneath that. Sure. Right? Because in order to, in order to say, because it, it's, I really think it's a, it's a big thing. We know it's a big thing. We see how these results play out. 
when people go from, you know, earning $40,000, $50,000 a year to multi seven, eight, nine figure businesses, to make the statement that I'm going to, what is best for the company? And at the same time, they don't think they're enough on the inside, which is causing the excuses, which causes the paralysis to stay in the toleration. It causes the blind spots. I mean, it is basically the crux of every single thing that holds a person back, whether in business or, or in not, is that we have developed this idea, especially if you're coming out of the middle class, working class background, that it's not okay to put yourself first. Um, just the idea that you should put everybody else first indicates to a small child that they're not enough. Correct. And they grow up with the idea that I am not enough. Mm -hmm. So then when you have a toleration, the, the, the warped thing about this is that it verifies that subconscious belief about yourself. Mm -hmm. You're manifesting a verification that I am not enough by having this toleration. And that, that what that does subconsciously is it gives you the illusion of being safe. Correct. The key word there is illusion. The key word is illusion. Because actually tolerations are very dangerous. Yes. They're very dangerous. So we'll say why they're dangerous. Let's make they that keep you from growing. And if you're not growing, you're dying. So that sets you up for big, big problems. Yes. Right? It's not just it's not just I won't live my dream, but when you stretch out to go do something, everybody everything has a consequence to it, good or bad. Yep. If you're unconsciously sabotaging the business, there's bankruptcies, there's lawsuits, there is the disillusion of the business, there's people bringing it home in their families, there's alcoholism, there's drug use, there's all kinds of things, ways that these problems manifest in toxic ways in people's lives. Well, and in terms of team, you know, if you're tolerating a, an underperforming employee that you know is not doing what they're supposed to be doing, that person is actually acting as a cancer in your business, right? They could be back channeling, they could be backstabbing, they could be, they could be creating all kinds of chaos behind the scenes that you're not even aware of until right. that person leaves. You don't know the damage a toxic employee is doing to your organization generally until they've yeah. gone and you've got a mess to clean up. Right. And I have heard this so many times. Well, with, we experienced it years ago, right? Yes, we did. We, you know, many times I've, I'm tolerating a to toxic law firm administrator, but she really does a good job at this one thing. Yeah, but she's completely destroyed your culture and created a level of distrust between your employees and you. I mean, the other thing is that the, the this is there's a, there's another piece of this phenomena that I find very fascinating. The employees think the business owner knows what's going on and is, and is and it's okay for it to happen. So they don't come to the business owner mm -hmm. and say anything. And very often the business owner has no clue. No idea. No idea what's going on behind the scenes. Right. Yeah. But they know that they're tolerating. That's true. Yes. That you're right about that. That's very true. That's all they need to know. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it just becomes a toleration and that toleration gets drug out and there's all kinds of excuses. Well, I need to hire this person first or I need to set aside money for this first or I need to, there's, but the truth is when you boil it down to brass tacks, it's you're tolerating an underperforming team member. Employee. Yeah. So let's talk about the difference between an A player and a B player. Okay. So people kind of have a frame of reference. Um, we, I created kind of a checklist of six um, 
attributes or characteristics cool. of A players just to give some, okay. just to give people an idea of like, okay, I'm thinking of an employee. I'm gonna I'm gonna just evaluate them based on this list. Right. And actually, they should be evaluating themselves based on this list. And our team evaluates ourselves based, based on, on the this list. list. Yeah. So A players admit weaknesses and mistakes. Okay. So if you've got team players that are hiding mistakes or go to blame, you know that they're not an A player immediately. Gotcha. Okay. So if you come to them and ask why something happens and they blame something else or they say they don't know or they say they were confused, not an A player. Two, they ask for help. So it doesn't say that A players have all the answers. They ask for help. So you think about it like this. I'm going back to, to sports. So you have. <laughs> see, like, see, your exposure world, to sports like, through your husband is showing up to be a great oh benefit gosh. for you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so, but I think a lot of people understand how a team works. They've either witnessed a, a yeah. sports team or they've been a yeah. part of a sports team. So I'll use that as an analogy. Okay. So you have, a, you have a, a soccer team. And one of the soccer players is really struggling with one specific skill. But they keep it hidden. Nobody really notices that they're really struggling with it. That hurts the whole team, right? Yeah. If they were to come out and say, guys, I'm really struggling with this. I need some help. The whole team benefits. The problem solved quickly and the team can score more goals. Right? So why do they have so much trouble asking for help? Same thing we talked about at the beginning of this, this podcast. They're ashamed. They're ashamed. Yeah. Right? Because when they ask for help as a child, they got shamed. What are you, a dummy? You can't figure it out yourself? Yep. Right? So, yep. so the idea is that your A players know that it's in the best interest of the company for them to ask for help and for them to ask for help quickly. Yeah. Three, they take risks in offering ideas and feedback. So they may, they may be, I don't want to say the word adversarial. They may play devil's advocate against ideas. They may bring, they may see a problem and bring a solution to the table. They may call out something that's happening that other people are, are avoiding bringing to the table. So they're not afraid to address difficult issues okay. that might threaten their, their position. So it's that back to conflict, right? It's that they're not afraid of that conflict. An A player openly asks for feedback. Okay. So if your team member comes to you and says, Hey, I submitted that thing. Is there anything that I can do to improve? Like, what can I be doing better? That's a key indicator that they are an A player. If they never ask for feedback, that means that they don't really want the feedback. <laughs> That's a good point. Right? They yes. want to just do what needs to be done and, and move on. They're not looking for someone to say, hey, you know, I saw that you do this, but this could be done better. Like I, after the last podcast recording, I went into one of our digital media producers offices and yeah. I said, guys, this is only like the fourth podcast I've done. Am I doing something annoying that I should stop doing? Can I be doing something better? Am I talking close enough to you shouldn't the Shouldn't pick your nose as much right. as you are. True. Well, they're going to edit that out anyway. <laughs> but the idea is that you're constantly asking for, what could I be doing? What could I be doing better? What yeah. are you seeing that I can't see? Um, and then five, offer and accept apologies without hesitation. Say that one more time. Offer and accept apologies without hesitation. That's big. That's big. So that goes into admitting their mistakes and then knowing when it's appropriate to apologize for it. And then also being accepting of someone else's apology. Yeah, being able to receive is big, big, big for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, not only just to receive the apology, but also not hold a grudge. Sure. Right? Like, sure. I'm going yes. to accept your yeah. apology and then let it go. It, like, it, it's not going to, I'm not going to carry on and talk about you behind your back to everybody else. Right. Because you made this one mistake. Right. And then the last one, 
is my big one. They act in the best interest of the team. So they act in the best interest of the company. That's huge. And those, those six things you can see really clearly in every single one of your team members. Yeah. And you can see really clearly in yourself. In yourself. If you're willing to take a, an honest look. Like, are you yourself an A player? Yeah. If you're not an A player and not acting as you're an A player, it's going to be really hard to attract other A players. Because A players don't want to play with B players. No, they don't. They right? don't. They they want to work. They want. They wanted the achievement. They, they want to. They want to be challenged. Yes. They want to work with other people that are owning their responsibilities and 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 taking you know like, um, being fully committed and doing their best. Yeah, like you've referenced Michael Jordan before. The could you imagine what it'd be like if there were less than eight players on the team? I mean, he would leave. There's be no way that he, he would he would have stayed. Tolerated. Right. You know? I mean, you see that all the time in sports teams. Yep. You know, they want to be on the best team, the team that has the best um, odds of success right. in most cases. Right. Yeah, they're playing to win. Why, why, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? I mean, if you're, the, if you're the greatest player in the world and you're on a team full of B players, you're never going to accomplish your greatness because you're surrounded by Bs. Right. You can't be your best self surrounded right. by B and C players. That's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. Okay. I have no idea what time it is. <laughs> it's time. It's time. It's time. You want to bring this in for a landing? Sure. I would say as an action step from this podcast, really do a self-evaluation based on those six characteristics okay. of yourself first, and then take a look at every single one of your team members and ask these questions about them as well. And just kind of give yourself a rating. How, how are we doing here? Is the reason you're stuck because you're tolerating um, underperforming team members because you're afraid of what's going to happen. Gotcha. That's awesome. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.